<laughs> it just descended into utter chaos. <laughs> Welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm Ryan, thanks, man. How are you? Very good. Happy to see you as ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> see, I know you well enough to know when you're lying. No, I'm genuinely... Do you know what? I'm just really happy. This sounds ridiculous, but the smallest things cheer me up. So just before I got on the call, I was a bit chilly in my flat. Then I put on this, like, lovely red hoodie that I haven't worn in quite a while. And, like... I'm so warm that I'm really comfortable and I'm really happy. That's literally what's cheered me up. It's the little things, huh? It re- Listen, do you know what? Those listening, it's not always about the possessions, isn't it? The accolades, <laughs> sometimes it's the small things. Oh, good grief. I hope everyone's doing all right. Starting to get a little bit crazy again over here. That article you wrote, Embrace the Chaos for the Ringer. Oh, I was just talking about coronavirus, but yeah, football as well. Yeah, but... Talk about prophetic. I mean, it's funny. People are going to keep returning to that, I think. I'm going to dine out on that all year. Oh, you should. You should. Just the retweet. Just the Elmo fire gif. Exactly. <laughs> I can bring it. Bring it. Drink it in. Uh, you had that lovely piece that went up on The Ringer this week, though. Oh, thanks. No, no. Well, I mean, I, I suppose my piece was really like, it was looking at the issue of chaos, but it was looking more at the fact that like football's almost kind of gone back in time. And we're seeing mm. some old school. I mean, just because this Champions League threw up some really nice old school historical confrontations, Ajax, Liverpool, even you could say Dinamo, Juve, Bayern, Atleti, and we'll get to that in a second, the Atleti thing, but this is the first time I saw Atleti and thought, you're a team out of time. Well, maybe they're exactly, they can't defend, so maybe they're exactly in time. Yeah, you know, that's, that's also true. See, there's a team that needs to embrace the chaos. But anyway, let's, uh, before we get to them. So yeah, ringer.com forward slash soccer, that's Moose's piece, go and check it. I should have another piece up this week as well. Uh, other admin, uh, we're going to put the Stadio sessions up this week to listen again and to and we'll do the Spotify playlist probably over the weekend if we have time. Uh, we're going to re- record a couple of conceptual episodes as well soon, so we might um, chuck some questions out on Twitter. Oh, they're going to be super fun, actually. They won't drop straight away, but they will drop maybe within the next couple of weeks or so. And yeah, thanks to everyone who started submitting their club's disrespected 11s. Stadiofootballgmail.com if you want to send yours in. We're going to, like, specific disrespected 11s for the clubs that you support. And we're going to do a follow-up to our disrespected 11 with those in the next couple of weeks. I think that's everything. So today we're going to talk about the Champions League. We we put a thing out for questions. So we're going to, I like our Thursdays where we let the questions guide us through through the chaos. Spiritually, yes, exactly. The reassuring hand of the questions from our listeners to guide us through this nonsense. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll be talking about Champions League and then in the final part of the show, we're going to do a little bit of a look ahead to the Classico this weekend because Musa was on a a very industry call with some top brass at La Liga over the weekend to give us a little... industry emails, I love it. Oh, industry, wow, wow. I was like, Musa, you should do this. (laughs) (laughs) Get us the scoop. Um, So we'll talk about that. But anyway, we'll get into the football after this. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Can we start with Shakhtar? Just well, the- Real Madrid Shakhtar. Oh my goodness, okay. Can I just set this up a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. Shakhtar were without 13 first-team players after 19 positive coronavirus tests throughout the club left them needing to call up youth team players. That's a quote from the BBC Sport match report. Real Madrid 2, Shakhtar Donetsk 3. Should we start with a question? Because we had a kind of a a triple question from Dom on Twitter. He said, are Real and Zidane in trouble? I've never seen a recognisable system in his time there. And he seems to rely on individual brilliance in place of that since losing Ronaldo. And when Ramos doesn't play, they seem to struggle. I also look at how he's treated some of the players he's had there and wonder why he didn't get the same level of criticism for it like Mourinho does with Deli Ali, for example. Bale, Isco, James, Jovic, over 200 million euros worth of players there alone. Basically, has Zidane been catfishing us the entire time? And how long until we see Sergio Ramos take the manager's job there? I mean, the last bit is a bit funny, but the first two... I think this is an excellent question or series of questions or composite question. And what I would say is this. Zidane has been extremely successful with a plan A. What Zidane has been doing is walking a tightrope the entire time. And the tightrope has finally been snapped. Robust defence, opportunistic attack, off you go. Opportunistic attack works perfectly when you have Cristiano Ronaldo. And that's not even a criticism on Zidane. It's like it's using pieces really, really well. But there was a stat before the um, game started one of the commentators pointed out, actually, they've lost their last three games of Champions League Real Madrid when Sergio Ramos is not on the lineup. Is that a bad omen? Unfortunately, the form of Ramos and, well, the form of Varane has imploded. I mean, we all know whose fault's that. Yeah, that tweet I sent. Yeah, if, if you had to name, if you basically had to name a central defender in the last few years who is consistently flawless until that game against Manchester City, what did my tweet about it? It would have been Rafael Varane. This was a player whose mistakes... I couldn't really count or even notice like major mistakes and his form has imploded. Ramos is out. And here's the thing. I've said this before in this podcast, but La Liga triumph that Real had last season relied heavily on the defence. 25 conceded. Only 70 goals scored. Now they have no attack, consistent attack, and now they have no defence. So I think there are various, this is a total, some dogs are brown moment, but right, right. there are obviously very different styles of managers. Yes. And I think you've seen with some people like Hansi Flick with Bayern, Zidane with Real Madrid, Mm. that some managers just need to be super aware of the environment Mm. 
and aware of what it's like to play in that environment and just kind of let those players live. Yeah. That only works with a certain group of players. You can't do the Zidane approach, for example, if you were at Dortmund. You couldn't do it. Zidane at Dortmund, for example, just wouldn't work. No. What you're seeing is, and we, I think we mentioned it talking to each other because I think it was obviously pre-Stadio when Zidane returned, but how this was a very different challenge to what Zidane faced the first time around when he came in at Real Madrid because what he came into before were a load of superstars who weren't really getting, they weren't really getting people talking to them on a level. Yeah, right, right. And in order to let them go, it's like Ramos said that time, you know, we've won stuff, we can coach ourselves basically. Mm. And Zidane was more of a, you know, he enabled that. He enabled to get every ounce of their quality out of them. But when he returned the last time, or this time, I should say, he was facing a very different prospect. It was looking like he needed to do a rebuild. Mm. We didn't know what Zidane was going to be like with a rebuild. And I think that he's obviously been placed into difficult circumstances. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of wild that we're even saying this. Like, they won the league last year, but it's never looked quite right. He's got lots of ill-fitting pieces, Ryan, in his defence. Yeah, ill-fitting. Yeah, Vinicius has, and, and Rodrigo don't shoot much, and they're not really yeah. natural scorers. Jovic, I think, is intimidated by the stage. I mean, I don't think he has the pieces. I think Zidane at Bayern would do a great job. Well, yeah, because, like, Bayern, the, because Bayern overall have a squad that is far superior. Right. But this is what I'm saying. So therefore, yeah. what you need with a squad like Real Madrid is a coach. You need someone who is going to coach the absolute shit out of that squad. Mm. and. You know, unfortunately, because of the Real Madrid environment, I think Real Madrid have almost like backed themselves into a bit of a corner here where they can only really hire a very specific type of manager. Mm. Because, for example, if you stuck someone like Ralph Hasenhutl in Real, at Real Madrid, right, in theory, it would be amazing because Ralph would be able to coach. There are a lot of really, really talented youngsters coming through at Real Madrid and a lot of people who look a little bit out of whack. Ralph would coach that side, but how many of them would actually listen to him? That's the Real Madrid dilemma at the moment. They will listen to a Zidane, but can Zidane coach them and drill them in the, sen- in the way that someone like a Hasenhutl would or a Nagelsmann would, for example? Like, I don't think... They went after Nagelsmann that time, and I just think that would have been a terrible appointment for both because I just don't think a 30... What, was he 32 at the time, Nagelsmann? Right. 31? A 31-year-old who, who had his career cut short in his early 20s walking into the Real Madrid dressing room and telling a load of them what to do. No way. But Conte might be terrible. Conte might be terrible too at Real, even with his pedigree, because he pushed them too hard. I think this is the thing. Someone like Vicente Del Bosque, I've not seen many comparisons or parallels, but I think those two are actually more similar than we realize. A coach with ideas trying to, you know, trying to teach an old Ramos new tricks is just not going to work. Right, no, absolutely. But like I said, I would caveat that by that we're not, I'm not exactly saying Real Madrid in crisis. I just think that they had a lot of, they had a lot of pieces missing as well this, this week. But they still should have won the game. But, I mean, that's obviously us focusing heavily on Real Madrid. And we should say that Shakhtar were absolutely amazing and probably should have been out of sight. They should have had five. Yeah. And they were just really fun to watch. And as your piece alluded to, maybe we're going to get some, some surprises this year because this is a Champions League season like no other. And it may throw up things like this and we may get a really interesting dynamic that pushes through to the group stage. I did think it was quite funny though in a, the day after a load of teams were talking about forming a breakaway European Premier League that loads of them really struggled. And I was yeah. like, guys, why don't you focus on the task at hand first? Yeah, no, exactly. I think there's, there's an element of, um, 
But this is what we said as well, like with um, the other plans was the breakaway or the Premier League, like trying to have these voting rights. They're trying to restrict the upcoming clubs. Yeah, it's fair. They're trying to wall themselves off, isn't this what it's trying to do? It's a mixture of fear and greed. Maybe, but one thing I will see um, very quickly about Zidane is... I want to know what your take is. Well, I think, I think Zidane could manage Spain. Oh. Yeah, I could, he's, I could actually see Zidane becoming available after he leaves Madrid. And however he leaves, it will be, you know, he'll be well regarded because he brought back so much glory. And this is the wild thing. If you'd said that Zidane would be a greater Madrid manager, the moment Zidane struck that volley against Leverkusen and you turned to someone and said, what a great volley. And they're like, yeah, what a great volley. And you'll be like, do you know what? Zidane will be a greater player, a greater manager for Madrid than he was a player. You, they'd laugh at you. And then you'd both laugh. And he's done it. And I think... Is that the case though? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Three straight Champions Leagues and two league titles. I mean, in terms of pure silverware. Yeah, but that's what matters. That's what it is. That's, what's yeah, about. that's, that's what, what it's about. And Madrid especially. I just wonder, actually, sorry to cut in, that's yeah, just a rude, but I just, no, I just wonder it's... whether his actual, weirdly, whether his playing legacy is bigger than his managerial legacy still, even though his managerial legacy has delivered more. That's a great, great question. I think it's because, I think the two run together. I think your play, the playing legacy, you're right. I think the playing legacy gave him the legitimacy to do what he did as a manager. Mm but he's now taken that to another level. And I think something he said about this, about the league title really mattering, even when he was winning Champions League, like the league matters. And even some Barca fans on Twitter were like, wow, Zidane gets it. Like I saw so much respect there. I think there's a scenario where he leaves Madrid and he's pottering about for a couple of years and the France FA are just like kind of either still with Deschamps or looking around and like kind of avoiding him and the Spain job comes up and it's the most natural thing. I could see that. Because I could see him being accepted as a Spain manager. I could see that happening too. I don't think he'd do that before doing France. Oh, no, no, no. I think, I if Deschamps I think, steps down after the Euros, Zidane would be kind of perfect for that France. But this is what, yeah, but, this, no, but that's the point. Of course he'd be perfect, but here's what I'm saying. I think some weird dysfunctional thing happens because this is football, of course, where he gets like... Football? Yeah, yeah, he gets disrespected. I think there's people that will run scared of appointing him within the French FA and there'll be some terrible fallout and then Spain will be like, Zizou, this is your adopted home. You're welcome. And he walks into the Spain job. I think I can just see that happening. Look, I can just, you can see it. It's a thing that you can see happening. Wow. There you go. There's a take for you. We've talked a lot about Real Madrid. We give Shakhtar their props, but... Have we given them enough props? I don't think we have. We haven't. To be honest, we haven't. We haven't. Because we them more. they were so fearless. And when they took the lead, if, what was it, Tete scored just before half, the half an hour mark. Yeah. It didn't feel undeserved. It reminded me a lot of the... Um, it was like the Cadiz game, yeah. Actually, when when Cadiz took the lead, it wasn't against the run of play, and and likewise here, Shakhtar just looked. I don't know what they said before the game, but I think there was a real element of like, well, we literally have nothing to lose here. Yes, thirteen first team players missing, just go and have fun, and yep. I think they really caught Real Madrid off guard. Yeah, very much so. I think that's right because Real have had this before when teams have just come to the Bernabeu and just. Well, not, not the benefit in this case, yeah, Freddie Stefano Stadium, mm. and just gone at the heart of them. This has happened in recent years as well, when you just go at them because it's almost like they're not expecting the disrespect. I mean, yeah, maybe just people, maybe that people just aren't in awe of them anymore. You know, like when Ajax went there a couple of years ago, they just absolutely wiped the floor with them in their own backyard. This reminded me of CSKA, actually. Uh, when CSKA went to, yeah, yeah, when CSKA went to the Benefit and went straight down the heart, and no, no respect. And here's the thing, though. No respect. Rails, Rails, Rails should have seen this coming, especially from Shakhtar, because they've been on this for the last like decade. 
they've been that team for a decade. They've just been that unpleasant a proposition. And we saw them in actually, it was funny in the um, Europa League last year until they kind of imploded in the semi, tearing apart teams. And this is a team that comes in hot. Do you know what I mean? Like Shakhtar is the, you know, there's always that like third or fourth team in the Champions League uh, group where you're like, oh no, we have to play these lot home and away. And that who's the, they were that even before any of this unpredictability or chaos was something we would think about. Shakhtar is such an unpleasant draw for anyone. Like the biggest mm. compliment Shakhtar get, I think in a weird kind of way is that they get, their players just get raided mm. every single year, every season, every off season. You know, we saw Willian come through. Alex Tissera went to Asia, but was at one point heavily linked with Liverpool. So yeah, Shakhtar just get raided because their recruitment's unbelievable and their style of football is outstanding. And they yeah. manage it under, and they always recruit coaches really well for, mm. their, for their project. So yeah, shout out to them. They're just a brilliant team. The result has made that group super interesting because Inter and Gladbach drew two all at San Siro. Two for Romelu Lukaku. Mm. Open scoring just after half time. Benzabaini got the penalty. And then Gladbach took the lead. That amazing goal from Jonas Hoffman with oh Florian Neuhaus with an absolute... Oh my God. Oh, do you know what I said when I, when I watched that back? Just muttered under my breath. Schoenest ding. <laughs> Schoenest ding, Florian. <laughs> you know, I, there's some things that just sound so much better in German, actually, I've got to say. They love a clear chance, a reason chance. They love the reason yeah, chance. Reason love chance. Unbelievable goal. What we will say, just on that door quickly, just say that the Neuhaus threw ball, but there was, in fairness, maybe it was directed at player and player let it run on. But mm. still, the way that Neuhaus struck it, we saw a lot of very good balls struck from deep in the last few games. We saw a great one from Kimmich, great one from Neuhaus. And just keep an eye on Neuhaus as a player generally because such a great, as an elegant touch reminds me in some sense of Gundogan in terms of the playmaking and the way he keeps tempo going. It's a different player, but there's, there's similarities. And yeah, the finish from Hoffman, as someone pointed out on Twitter, I can't remember if it was, but a great observation. They were like, what they loved most about Hoffman's goal, he's looking up for the passing option. That's what Gladbach do. He's looking up for the passing option. It's not there, it's just nutmegs the keeper. And I love that. It's such a Gladbach oh, yeah, goal. Yeah, finished with a nutmeg as well. It's just like, oh. Such a Gladbach sh- goal. Chef's kiss. Yeah. One other beautiful thing I want to note as well, and I saw Coman and Turam doing it, the ability to beat players with both feet in a dribble mm. is really amazing. Like, so Turam earned a penalty yeah. beating a player with both feet. And I was like, I love seeing that. Like, we, it, Maybe it's not as common. I mean, every player should be able to do it, but it's nice to see wingers and wide forwards doing it. It was a good result for Gladbach, that because they started very, very, very timidly and they're still missing Dennis Zakaria. Yeah, very much so. They've not really fully clicked into gear yet this season, Gladbach. And I hope they grow into the competition and don't fear sides because this lot could be a really fun watch if they, they get their act together. This is their best performance of the season so far, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. Yeah. Against a good inter team who has something to prove coming off the loss against Milan in the derby. So extra motivation they would deal with performance like this. You know, they did, yeah. they were caught a bit cold at the start of this year, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Let's see if we've got another question. Yeah, sure. Oh, we actually had one from Grace's official. She said, if you feel like rhapsodizing about the Neuhaus player Hoffman goal. Oh yeah. Alternatively, take a victory lap for being extremely right about always watch Atalanta. There you go, Musa. Listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt. Shout out to Duvan Zapata, actually. Shout out to players who find their home at a club. Mm. He's had a really wonderful career. You know, he did well at Napoli, meant to come to the Premier League, didn't quite work out. And he just found his home there. 
And the same with Lewis Muriel as well. Like the recruitment at Atalanta is just wonderful. Like, how does it feel when you get like a, a WhatsApp from your agent? They're like, you know what? Like, Atlanta have come in. Well, a few years ago, it wouldn't have meant yeah, right, a right. huge but, amount. But, but, but now, but now, I mean, it's just go and live in Bergamo, you know, and like, uh, and play for a thrilling team, play with some great footballers and all players who've kind of been around a bit, like none of them have won that much, but it's like spend the last three, four years of your career playing outstanding football and being fated by Europe. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, they beat Midland 4-0 away. It was just such an Atalanta performance. Like Zapata, Papu Gomez with an absolute... Heat seeker. Who hurt him? My goodness. Contender for angry goal of the year. Yeah. Oh, oh alongside Modric against Shakhtar, to be fair. So, yeah, but Modric's was almost too, too it wasn't pretty. Fu- there wasn't fury, was there? It was too fu- pretty. It was, yeah, if uh, it had hit the post and gone in, I think we could have classed it as an angry goal because yeah. hitting the woodwork adds fury. That's true. Has Tony Kroos ever scored an angry goal? Um, I don't know. No, he's too, he's too placid. Has he, ever sent an angry, has he ever sent an angry text? I mean, I, there are footballers who've never sent an angry text. I think Tony Crow's text, like my dad, no punctuation to convey emotion. <laughs> I think there should be, they should try and tempt him. They should give him a phone and observe him and try and get him to send angry texts. He's either like that or he's the completely the other way. And he always uses that like wink, tongue out, like emoji. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. He's either super dry on text or well extra on text. Textra. There you go. Textra. <laughs> <laughs> that group is looking tasty. Live. Obviously, Liverpool snuck through against Ajax with the, one of the worst, horrible, gross own goals I've ever seen. It just looked, I mean, because, because Sadio Mane like smashed the floor before he hit it as well. It was, yeah. just, it was just all around, just all around a bit crap, that goal. Do you know what's funny about that game as well? Um, Liverpool looked really out of sorts defensively early on. Like, Adrian and Joe Gomez still looked out of sorts. It doesn't matter though when you've got Fabino. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. And I'm glad, in a way, I'm glad they caught a breather with that win. It was one of those ones where Klopp was like, that's reassuringly ugly, if that makes sense. You know those games mm-hmm. where you're like, none of the pieces are really clicking fully, but we've managed to kind of eke this out. And, you know, Liverpool need to get used to winning ugly again. And I think this was a... I don't think I don't think we need to go too deep on the Liverpool thing because I think there's I think you're, you're, they're still dealing with the shockwaves of the Van Dijk injury and also with Thiago not there. You know, I there are no mugs. It's like Klopp said after the game. You know, it wasn't our unbelievable sun sunshiny world class football, but we got a win. That was the most important thing. It was a really important result that because I think Atalanta are going to do some damage in this in this group. Yeah. Before we go to a break, let's quickly talk about Group A, which Bayern beat Atleti. 4-0. Absolutely deserved it. To be honest, this was such a weird game because I think the first five or ten minutes, I thought he probably should have been ahead. Yeah. They had a couple of really, really good chances that Suarez couldn't get on the end of. Mm. But then after that, they just looked defensively all over the place, which is, I don't think it's as weird as it used to be. Atleti's defensive reliability, let's say, mm. has been eroding for a little while. It really has. But this is the first time I've seen Bayern look like turbo Bayern this season. Yes. I mean, apart from the Schalke game, but I don't really think it's, the Schalke game counts. I think Schalke. against against a, an elite opposition to blow them away 4-0 and with some really, really great goals as well. The Tolisso goal was unbelievable. Oh my goodness. Still, I think it's oh. still going up. The one thing that made me laugh was the commentator was like, Junger, and I'm like, he's 26. Yeah, but like, you still call me boy. Yeah, but that's like, different. That's different. That's when you're telling me to get down those stairs. <laughs> yeah, but I'm old. I'm old. That's different. I'm old. So everyone's young. Sorry, Unk. 
So, <laughs> but um, what they're doing on that tube of you over there? What they're doing on that inter- those nets of interwebs? What, what, what's what's going on on the interwebs? Talisa's goal. Okay, I don't know if there was any anger in that, but it looked angry. Do you know what? I disagree. It's not an angry goal. Have you seen a half volley that good in a while though? It was too smooth. He focused so much on contact. Yeah. If you actually look, watch the replay, such a smooth contact and the it's ball just flies off his foot. If you haven't no seen like, it yet, yeah. It's a technical yeah. marvel. Coleman's first was... Well, here's the thing, the, the pass from Kimmich to oh. sort of open the trap and he's so dangerous in that area. That is such a Kimmich position, passing the diagonal and he does so much damage in there, whether he's scoring, whether he's passing... He's arguably the most dangerous in that range at the moment. Um, and what I loved about this goal was not just the pass, but Coman's first touch of the left and the finish with the right. Use two feet, kids. Use <laughs> two feet. Spoken. Listen, listen. If you got a great first touch with both feet, look at the opportunity. Uncle Coach. Listen, Uncle Coach. I'm actually dressed a bit like Uncle Coach today. Like, yeah, well, you got your whistle around your neck, which yeah. is weird. I was trying to figure out why. And also, like, I've got this like, sort of... Way too bright. You know, there's uncles have always got that way too bright hoodie in their like wardrobe, which they wear now and again. I've basically got that, yeah. Coman scoring twice and Coman's second goal again, using two feet and just turning Philippe inside out. That was a lovely, lovely goal. Just and, yeah, all yeah. lovely goals. Like Goretzka's was nice as well, tidy. And he's having a hell of a season. Goretzka, I mean, he was, it's funny, his role has evolved. So he was more the kind of sitting stable and mm. then the last couple of games, I've seen him make movements and runs that I didn't see him make so much last year. Like last year, he was almost like, especially in the Champions League final, very particular tactical brief, stay central, don't stray to the wings. And in the last couple of games, he's been out pressing on the touchline, almost like a wide forward, cutting them out. So he's been given more freedom against teams that sit deep to just run right. And he's been spectacular. And I, I think because those teams aren't expecting it, I think because they've expected him to kind of let, to set the table for Kimmich, they're not ready for when he goes berserk, when he goes rogue. Dude, those guns aren't stable. Listen, they're not at all. Don't set them off. There was one point at which I watched Goretzka running around and thinking, I thought to myself, that's not a man. That's a child inside a robot suit. Like he was absolutely like, he was just, he was faster, like, ten, faster. Yeah, he was like 10 feet. At one point he was out on the flank and I was like, you're like 10 feet tall. Like, how is anyone actually like not calling Camera shaking with yeah. every footstep. Exactly, yeah. So obviously, buying the top of that group, Lokomotiv Moscow and Sol- uh, Rebel Salzburg drew 1-1. That was a good game, that actually. It was very good, yeah. Shout out to um, Rebel Salzburg, who just picked up Brendan Aronson from the Philadelphia Union. Yes, they have. And one of the most exciting players I've seen out of the US in a while. Really excited by that signing. I'm looking forward to seeing that work out. There's a good old crew of young US players in Europe and... I think oh, they're all gonna they're all doing just fine. We're gonna talk about one in a minute, but first let's have a break. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. All right, back from the break. We're going to talk about Manchester United quick. We've got a question from Cheeky Ball Boys. Shouts to Bob. Can United seriously win their fourth European Cup in this wacky season? They can. No, I don't think they can at all. I think they can. Okay. In this wacky season, they can. I think they can. You don't think mm, they can? No. 
I don't think the team that wins this Champions League will necessarily be good enough, weirdly enough. Like, it's not that I don't think, I don't, I don't think they're going to win, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're going to win, but they can. Because, well, well yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, in the same way that Atalanta can. But all those teams, yeah, but not every, t- not every team has firepower, right? Like, and this is the thing I'm thinking now, like, those teams that got through to the late stages were outgunning people and they were constantly yeah, creating maybe. chances. I don't think United are going to win, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm saying that they've got the firepower to defeat someone really good along the way or someone who is actually maybe better than them. I think Cavani's going to be a massive, massive, yeah. massive plus for them in the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. But yeah, I think also, well, we had another question from Robert Zukowski. He said, Twanzebe is all that needs to be mentioned the whole podcast. So it's not really a question, it's a statement. But yes, it's fair, it's fair enough. He yeah. was very, very, very impressive, I think. But I also think that this isn't anywhere near as impressive as the win the last time against PSG, I don't think, because this PSG side at the moment, they're really strange. They're missing a lot of players. Horrible start to the season. Not a great start to the season at all. I mean, they lost, what, their first two games mm. in the league including the classic, but I was saying, I think we were talking about it, right? It was like, it was kind of, they look like someone has just started a football manager save and spent their entire transfer budget on two players up front. Yes. And everything else is a bit like, what? Obviously, Marquinhos was on the bench. There's no variety at the moment. They're missing a lot of key players. They've obviously lost Thiago Silva as well. They just look weird. Really I mean, weird. Yeah this, this, yeah, this United team is not as bad as people have been saying. And the PSG team is not as good. Credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. This is, it was a very well coached victory. And there was a lot of talk about, oh, um, Solskjaer has been underestimated. No, I just think he's a rung below. I've said this before many times. I just think, I, I don't just think, think it has yeah, to be that yeah. end of each end of the spectrum. I yeah. think like you'll get, Manchester United are going to win get some games like this this season. And they they're also yeah. going to have some really, really disappointing ones. Yeah. Because let's be frank, everyone is. Yeah. Everyone is this season. You think about it, he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for the last two games because he, his team selection got tore to bits against Newcastle. Yeah. And it came through it very, relatively stress-free and they did a really good job on PSG midweek. They just managed the game really well, defended really well. Credit to Fred. Fred, very strong defensively. And credit to Solskjaer for his use of Pogba. Um, yeah, or, that was clever. Yeah, because look, Pogba, obviously crucial in, the, in, in Rash's final goal, but actually, there's an argument in a funny way. You said this before, when you take out a team's, in quotes, best player, and it's questionable whether Pogba is actually United's best player at this point. I'm not sure Good that he point. is. I don't think he yeah, is. He was. He was, but I don't think he is now. Most gifted, but not best. I mean, it's a lot of alarms today. Coming after your takes. Manchester, <laughs> Manchester United's best player on and off the field this season is Marcus Rashford. But it's the thing, you said this before, when you take out a team's, in quotes, best player, they often get better. And the best I've seen United was the second half against Newcastle mm. when Mata gave it the structure and you surrounded him with the speed. And I'm really excited to see that configuration with Pogba on the bench and Twanzebe starting as a centre-back. I think that is possibly United's best side. And didn't he have a Pogba, really imp- Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, did, yeah, didn't he have a really impressive run when he came in last time? Twanzebe? Yeah. And then uh, he just vanished again. <sighs> Mixed bag, I think. I think he's, he's, he's been a bit of a mixed bag. Okay. But there, there were, you know, with him, there's always these high points where you're like, there's an elite player in there. Mm. And it's not, I don't put that down to him. I don't hold him responsible for not being consistently brilliant because I think there are different factors going on. There's a run of games. There's a squad which is well-balanced, well-managed. I think if you put Transebe into the squad for, let's say, Mourinho's 2010 Inter oh. and swap him in and out like Kivu, 
then you're like, whoa, that oh. guy's a... Pl- yeah, because... Oh. Can we just have a moment team? there, please? Christian Kivu. I know, I know. That's I have a mensch. Listen, that is a, that, it's a mensch and it's a listen, mention. So it's listen, a double... We've got a double mensch alert. Listen, that guy's career was just on a level. Man, like one of the anyone who wore, anyone who couldn't anyone who wore a scrum cap and couldn't be bothered to do it up. My yes, guy. Like one of the low-key guy, one of the low-key coolest, coolest. Could not career. give a single fuck about playing football and was amazing. Do you know he was like he was like a nineteen sixties NFL quarterback? That was like the old school, like with the big shoulder pads. You know the ones I'm talking about, like the kind of big shoulder pads, like one of those. It's a lovely shout. I, I think I am. Um, we should have. Uh, I might set an alarm or a Google Calendar just to every every fortnight. We'll just try and squeeze in. A mention for Christian Keeper. We should do a podcast with appreciating defenders one day. I mean, we do. Just appreciating. Yeah, but like just one, just like, just appreciating just what they do. Oh. Anyway, yeah, man, I mean, I'll do my half an hour on Andre Santos. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why not? Do? Yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? Do you still want to do a podcast yeah, on defenders? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, it's time to go to a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking about Manchester United. Uh, yeah, and I just think, I feel like their best team, actually, I think the best starting eleven. I think it has Juan Mata at the heart of it and Fernandez going right. And I'm not sure their best starting eleven at the moment actually contains Pogba, simply because that attack is so fast that to close the gaps, you need to move the ball on fast. And what I like about what Solskjaer has done is that he has introduced that competitive element into the first eleven again. And seems to have got away with it, which yeah. is good. Yeah, I think that's which, absolutely which, right. Which shows a, a level of authority. Yeah. I mean, they need to figure out the Bruno Fernandes, Harry Maguire problem. I like that problem though. I like the competitive tension that Fernandes has brought in. I like what Fernandes has brought to United on and off the field. I just think he's yeah, brought, he's raised the level of intensity. It's great. Missed two penalties in a row though. Dun, dun, dun. And the worst so thing was... It doesn't matter because he's back to scoring ways. Manchester United second in that group behind RB Leipzig who beat Basak Shear 2-0. Goal machine, Angelino. Oh my God, do you know what? This is what I love about Nagelsmann. So he's on loan for Man City and he finds goal scorers throughout his team. He enables, like even the amount of tacks that build right to left, even the way they attack, like, so the way they find Angelino, the way that he enables him to go through, he scored ahead of the other day. He scored ahead of at the far post. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> Nagelsmann, what I love about Nagelsmann, he looks at his, looks at the tools he has at his disposal and he finds solutions that no one else does. This is what I absolutely love about him as a coach. I mean, just him playing a little bit further forward has been really good. I mean, he's playing as a wing back and I think that's just helped him to get forward a little bit. And obviously with Emil Forsberg likes to come a little bit more central, ideally. Yeah. That just leaves loads of space. But his record for a season's goals was three. He's already on four for this season. Almost so. scored a glorious hat-trick, like nearly raised the post. Yeah. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine if it's like goal machine, Angelino. So basically I'll be a top of that group and they go to Old Trafford next week. We're going to mention his clothing, Nagelsmann's clothes. There's an essay about that been done yeah but he looks like a vampire he's dressed like a kind of Nosferatu you're not going to go there I, I give up on Julian Nagelsmann well yeah you can do if you want well look I just think he's dressed like Nosferatu okay listen make your own watch and judge for yourselves is all I'm saying look at yeah. what he was wearing in this game yeah Nagelsmann sartorially confusing <laughs> <laughs> it's good Twitter bio that it's good Tinder bio to be honest <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so RB Leipzig go to Old Trafford next week which I think is going to be one of the pivotal games and I said to you didn't I we were whatsapping during the game and I said there needs to be a pact between RB and Man United just to say whoever's at home wins and we'll both get out of this group together because I think I think I don't think PSG will make it out of this group that's my take mm, absolutely fair if they don't get out of the group man Tuchel's gone like he's gone. Like there's already noises about Tuchel's job and they're talking about trying to line Poch up. 
Yeah. Which ends the Dortmund dream for me. Yes. Ends the Hertha dream. Poch at PSG would just be so deflating. I know, but he's been there before and he, you know, he was... Yeah, just, fair enough. And then, and then Arteta will go there in a few years. They all go back to their old clubs. Uh, let's quickly go to Group C. Manchester City beat Porto 3-1 at home. It ended up being relatively comfortable for Manchester City, although they got an early scare going 1-0 down. Mm, but Porto have never beaten a side in England. Yeah, I thought that the penalty was a little bit ropey because I think it probably should have been given for a foul on the goalkeeper beforehand. Yeah. But that was the only real moment of contention, I think. Um, Gundogan with a lovely free kick and Ferran Torres' goal was absolutely beautiful. I mean, the memo needs to be don't that man cut onto his right because no, oh God, one's, yeah. no, one's, no one wants any part of that. I don't think Man City are going to have any problems getting out of this group at all. Or I, I can't really see anyone taking points off him. Potentially mm. Porto in Porto. You know what Olympiacos are like. Olympiacos always pull something on someone. You know, they did it to Spurs, yeah. didn't they? Gave them a little bit of a, a bloody nose. But they beat Marseille 1-0 in Athens. And that's Group C. So Man City at top, Olympiacos second. And got three more groups to do, Musa. Oh my goodness. We'll be quick. Well, we can go to the group of draws, which was Group E. Chelsea nil, Sevilla nil. Ren one, Krasnodar one. Kamavinga looked great for Ren. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's still... They had like 10,000 fans in there. There was a lot there. Yeah. And it was very noisy. Yeah. I think that group's going to be quite fun. Ren are definitely... Ren are fun. Definitely check them out. Oh, Ren are super fun. Yeah, they were great fun in the, in the Europa League. And Chelsea are weird. We've gone from having a few comments from Chelsea fans saying that we what's up with our Chelsea agenda to actually now being, why are you being so nice to us at the moment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're way too nice to us. So it's just like, we can't win. Just can't, you can't please everyone. You know, we yeah, try. Can't, we do can't, try everyone. Yeah. So apologies if you absolutely hate us, but you know, it's not deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to be hated. Well, some of us. Well, yeah, that's true. I, don't want to, I definitely don't want to be adored. Like, look what, happened, look what happened to Ian Brown. Started doing like 5G protest songs. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. Blue Sock Wonga drops his 8G protest album oh no. in a few years. Oh no. Goes all Lawrence oh no. Fox on me. No. It's like, oh my God, what? Moose is starting a political party called yeah. 8G. You're like, what I told are you them, doing? I told them. <laughs> what are you doing? You, like, you will have seen it coming. <laughs> I'd be like, listen, I'm going to be like the climate change scientist of 20 years ago. And we're like, what more did you want me to do, guys? Like, I was sending up SOSs all over the place the signs released, were there why didn't you help the me scenes. he just left me in Berlin no one's coming <laughs> to help oh god speaking of no one coming to help Lazio beat Dortmund 3-1 oh, no, no one came oh, to, not even oh, Berlin Holland oh. could save Dortmund Lazio oh, were no. absolutely brilliant Lazio absolutely went at Dortmund first half mm. this was a result Lazio absolutely deserved Dortmund weren't at it at all mm. but then Reina came on and the now mandatory tweet, which is Holland goal, Rainer assist. The assist by Rainer for Holland's goal was so good. It was yeah. such a clever pass. And Holland, that, now that was an angry goal. Can I say this as well about Lazio though? They've been laying an egg so far this year. And that's why this result, I mean, people might look and be like, oh my God, Dortmund. But actually, late season Lazio last, they basically channeled their form from like three quarters of the way through Serie A last season. Mm. This is the first time Lazio looked like the Lazio team that was actually threatening for the title. And we haven't seen that Lazio yet this year. Almost, mm. La- It's almost like this was kind of Lazio's coming out party this season in the same way that Gladbach's game gets Inter. Do you know what I mean? Like both teams yeah. that started, teams that basically would look at their form and be like, we're really disappointing considering how good we are. So it's easier to look at this game as, oh no, Dortmund, as opposed to, 
No, it's no, Lazio. Lazio. It's yeah. Lazio. Yeah, it's Lazio. And they, this is what they do. And this is what they should do, actually. Lazio have been bad this year. Like they didn't score against Benevento and everyone scores against Benevento. <laughs> like, so it's just one of those, right? And but you know why they didn't score against Benevento? It's a brotherly agreement. Yeah, of course. That's oh, why. That's the cool, oh my God, that's so lovely. Can you imagine the wine they exchanged yeah. after that game? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Don't worry, Pippo. We won't yeah. score against you. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll, we'll get that, our goals in other games. Don't worry. It's lovely. Imagine being the Inzaghi's parents. I know. And I, bet they never, I bet they never talk about football. I bet they do. Really? They're two Serie A managers. Of course yeah, they do. What are you talking ones, about? But it might be one of those dads who's like slightly unimpressed by it or he's just like, ah, oh, like, can you help me in the garden? Let's go to St. Petersburg quickly. Bruges with an amazing win over Zenit, 2-1. At the Gazprom, 16,682 people there. And I, tw- I actually tweeted, I was like, was there like a million people in the Gazprom? Because it sounded so loud. Oh Lord, yeah. After, after, having, after being so used to having hardly any fans and no fans there at all. My God. Did you see it? Did you catch the yeah, game was, at all? I, I, did, I did. I mean, actually I was going to mention, unfortunately, like, Dejan Lovren can't catch a break. Oh, he, don't, he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't catch a break, yeah. Um, I mean, he's having he, a lovely time there. He, he scored looked, yeah, that amazing really goal happy. on his, it wasn't his debut, was it? But then he scored a free kick as well for Zenit. He's having an absolutely lovely time in St. Petersburg. And great win for Bruges too. Good game actually, generally. Good game. Oh, just the atmosphere made it. Final group, Group G. Juve beat Dinamo 2-0 in Kiev. Two goals from Morata. Barcelona won 5-1 against... Eric Verish. They did indeed. All's well in Barcelona. Even a Gerald Piquet red card can spoil the party. Shout out to Ansu Fati, who was again wonderful. And Messi looked turbo. Okay. Not turbo Brian, turbo Messi. For Coutinho's goal, there was a really interesting moment in this. So Messi oh, has the good. ball, he's yeah. in the box. He's doing that little looking around, looking around. Pjanic is in acres of space and Messi's like, nah takes an extra couple of dribbles to find Ansu Fati. Yes. I was like, have you Ooh. ever seen a more pointed move than that? I think Messi's got his boys and he's just like, he doesn't like that signing. The same way he didn't like the Griezmann signing. Well, when it happened, because the way that he messed Barca around the year before. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It was a lovely goal out. That's really, yeah, it was a gorgeous goal. Uh, the way they combine is obviously a joy. But like, there was a moment when Messi earned the penalty in the first half. And I mentioned to you before that goal that I think it's actually Henri's favourite goal that Messi scores when Messi scores gets Malaga and switches feet when he's falling over and he cuts in from the right flank. Messi looked as quick coming in off the right as he looked when he was scoring that goal. Mm. He was mind blowing. And I haven't seen Messi move with that freedom for a while, actually. You know why Thierry Henri loves that goal so much? Because he, he scored one similar. <laughs> that is so He's actually negging Messi there. <laughs> uh, trust me trust me he's he's he is um That's so interesting That's so interesting pedri scored assisted by dembele and then dembele scored dembele quietly returning to a bit of stability a bit of consistency and a little bit of form and yeah, i love all in all pretty decent win for barca considering that real have now lost two on the bounce after the weekend mm. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with a couple of questions and then a look ahead to the Classico. Yep, yep. Let's do it. All right, man, back from the break. Let's whiz through a couple of questions here before we go into the Classico because uh, one from Jack Daniel Dempsey who said, do you feel the restart of the Champions League feels rather pointless with no fans? 
The one-off tournament in Lisbon was fun to finish off last year, but watching Barca, PSG and Bayern over the last two days in their painfully empty, massive stadiums just got me thinking, what's the point? The point is these clubs have to survive. Uh, this infrastructure has to survive. So I, I completely accept it. I understand why this is happening. I even applaud it, to be honest. The show must go on, actually. Yeah, it felt empty, but then this is the thing. I think it's credit to the players. The spectacles they've created have distracted us for the most part from the true extent of the emptiness. I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it's just dead to me. I get that. I'm not saying it's not significantly reduced in terms of the joy we get from watching games, but the players have put on some extraordinary shows. I'm really torn about this because we've got numbers in Spain, Italy, France, Germany, UK mm. that are vastly higher than at any point before football shut down. Now, I know that there was in the initial unknown factor there mm. and I could understand the need to finish the seasons in terms of a comp competitive standpoint and also a financial standpoint. Obviously, finance is key as we've explored before. I still feel weird about a lot of it. Mm. And if I'm being honest, I don't really know anymore what my thoughts are on it because I understand the need for it to go ahead. I hate the fact that fans aren't there. I don't want to sound too, on too much of a downer here, but my gut reaction is that it's kind of like watching something you, you know you shouldn't be watching mm. and yeah, not being able to stop yourself in a weird way. That's the only thing I can loosely describe it as. But at the same time, like you say, there, it has thrown up some unbelievably um, incredible fixtures and results and stuff. So. I think that doing it now with the backdrop of the thing about the European Premier League, which is you know, basically a Super League in all but name, I think makes it a little bit more gross because it's just like, okay, you're not content with just surviving at the moment when a load of people aren't. You want more, more, more. And to be honest, I don't even really want to talk about the Super League stuff because we've talked about it before. Mm. The details are vague. We'll talk about it more when we know more because yeah. we will have to talk about it. And there's no point speculating about it now because we'll just repeat the same stuff that we've repeated over the last year and a bit whenever we've gone into that on Stadio. Yeah. But going back to Jack's question, that I don't really know what the right thing to do is morally or, or whatever because if you don't do it because fans can't get back into the stadium then, and then the clubs go under and there's no clubs for fans to go back to, it's kind of like, mm. but then at the same time, clubs are doubling down on their own greed. Everything leaves a very bitter taste. Yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. It's just hard. I mean, I, I, I've, I think I've got to the point where I'm kind of expecting that it will shut down again soon mm. at some point. Yeah. Because I just don't think it can survive like this at the moment. I think Not that, sustainable, and yeah. I think that's probably why they're trying to get as much in as possible because they, they're aware that it's going to shut down again at some point, yeah. which is why I think you've seen all the internationals just go ahead and everything's going ahead. Sorry, that was super negative, right? No, no, it's, no, it's good. It's good, but it's real. It's real, Ryan. It's real. It's real. Well, let's do something. Let's do a question that's not real from Max Wolf-Levy. If you could pick a dream final and result and scorers this season from teams currently in the competition, who would it be? I know exactly what you're going to say. Go on. Let me see if I get it right. Hang on. Should I write it down? Yeah, write it down. Go on. <laughs> dream final for Musok Wonga in this season's Champions League. Let me think. You're going to go outside of the box, I know. I won't, actually. Okay. I've written it. Pen down. I haven't done a score. I've just done the fixture. Okay. What is it? No. You tell me first. I'll tell, you what, I'll, I'll tell you what happens. Atlanta don't get to the final because Real beat them. 
late as a heartbreaker. So it's a Classico final. This isn't a what if, this is a, if you could pick a dream final. Yeah, this is a dream final. Oh. It's a dream final. And Barca beat Real 3-1 and Messi puts on a masterclass and gets his final Champions League and drops the mic. Oh, how wrong was I? Jesus. the stadium has fans in it because they found a vaccine. So everyone's happy and people actually take the vaccine. So in a dream final, the stadium's full of fans and Messi puts on a masterclass. <laughs> oh, that's I my dream that final. so wrong. I got that so wrong. <laughs> Look what I wrote. I'm going to just show Musa. Atalanta versus Wren, Man United or Dortmund. <laughs> I thought this is absolutely nailed on. Atalanta against Wren. No, <laughs> do, you know, do you know what's amazing about that? Because that would be the semi would be, there'll be a heartbreaking semi-final because there's always a heartbreaking semi-final. There is. There just is. There's a team you're really rooting for that doesn't get what they want to. That's a champion. That's what it does. It breaks our hearts. It threatens everything. It threatens Atlanta, Ren or Dortmund, but it doesn't give us that. What's your dream final? My mm, dream final. I, like, I actually really like the Classico final. That's fun. With that fans. That's really fun. With fans. I like the idea of the added vaccine. I hadn't thought that far outside of the box. How wild would that be? Yeah. So you've gone in. Uh, yeah. You've, you've, out, you've outdone did me then. So, I mean, it's hypothetical, so. Yes. Right. Before we get out of here, yep. let's talk Classico. It's the Classico yeah. this weekend. Is this going to be the most beautifully dreadful Classico of all time? I have a theory about what might happen this weekend. In an unpredictable Classico, what's the most likely thing to happen? As wild as that sounds. I think we could see an absolute hammer in here. Or rail. Uh-huh. I think that's, I think that's actually a reasonable shout. I think rail have got a little bit too comfy. Barca have got a little bit angry. Yeah. And they've bonded as well. They've bonded and they, they've got those strong attacking combinations that can tear teams apart. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I don't like making predictions, but there's something about the energy. It's like you can see the clouds gathering and it might just pass over or it might it's, hit you really hard. So weird you should mention clouds gathering because when Brazil got beaten by Germany, there were clouds before, just before the kickoff the cloud swooped in and it felt like something. And I remember I actually sent a text to Seb Stafford-Bloor and I was like, if Brazil aren't careful, Germany are absolutely going to go. This could be brutal. I think there was a feeling I had, you know what, the thought in my head flashed. I was thinking like four, maybe five nil to Germany. I just had a feeling about that game. Um, and I know what you mean, like anything could happen and we could like, you know, nothing, Jon Snow and, the classical result could be anything, but it's just the way that rail have a particular form of dysfunction at the moment, which is perfectly primed for exploitation in a one-off game. The great news for Real Madrid is that Ramos should be back. Yeah, that's huge for them. That's huge for them. I really hope it's a good game though, which is obviously the most obvious thing in the world to say, but the last Classico was really quite dreadful. Well, this is what I want to say. Shout out to the La Liga team. You know, obviously you mentioned I was in on that Oh, yeah, call. yeah. You're on the just call, re- yeah. Yeah, we're just really, you know, they're really concerned by the fact this is, you know, a classic behind closed doors and just worried about making a really good experience for the fans. You can say that's just a commercial thing, but no, like these are football fans. And they're also like, I think it just brings home, this is a grand spectacle. It's like Pavarotti, you know, Pavarotti with empty seats, you know? Oh, mate. It's not the one. It's not the one, is it? So we're hyped about the Classico. Very hyped. Which is good, actually, because I didn't think I would be hyped about the Classico. 
No, really weirdly. And it's a lovely time of day. It's like 4 p.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. It's like, I love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm, you know, I might make some afternoon snacks. Make some pasta. Oh, I haven't had pasta for ages for some reason. Me neither, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to watch my quarantine, bud. <laughs> yeah, oh, my, oh my gosh. I was getting a little bit too squidgy. The weird thing is, I'm going through this weird thing at the moment yeah. where I think I'm squidgy, but everyone I see keeps telling me I'm, I've got skinny. I did some video and I like, yeah, I've been, I've definitely like put on some quarantine weight for sure. You eat a lot more sugar than I do. Though. Well, this is, uh, people are like, are they still recording? Why are we, why are we listen to the behind the scenes? Sounds like green room chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're too relaxed. They're too relaxed for a podcast. Let's save people our quarantine bod nonsense. But, let's um, do it. Yeah. Let's make some, hey everyone, make some pasta on the weekend if you can. Let's all make some pasta and do a collective, let's do a collective, we're going to be tweeting from our accounts anyway, at Ryan yeah. on that Okwonga. Let's do a collective pasta watch along of the also, Classico. what I'll say as well, any, um, any complaints about the pasta tweeting at Ryan Hun? Any Stop complaints? No, leave me alone. I've got enough to deal with. That's going to be a thing. I have to salvage this shit show every two, three days. You're going to start getting tweets from people going, oh, Ryan, Ryan. You know what? One day, right? One day. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> he's got to go to Middlesbrough. <laughs> and we'd love it. Uh, one day, I'm just going to drop an unedited podcast and be like, this is what I have to deal with everyone. <laughs> right, I'm going to get this catfish out of here. This 8G conspiracy. <laughs> Shout out to everyone who submitted questions. Hope you're doing safe and well. We're going to be back on Monday. We'll be tweeting the Classico from our account, so come join us. Mm. Anything else you want Just to keep, add? Keep the fluids up, I guess. Yeah. Check theringer.com forward slash soccer at Stadio Football on Instagram, Stadio Football on Twitter. Send all the bad stuff to at Kwonga, all the nice stuff to at Ryan Hunt. Wow. There he is. We're playing out this week. Uh, it's just just come out this record. Patrick Cowley covers album on Dark Entry. So this is his cover of People's Choice. Do it any way you want to. Because frankly, football teams are just doing it any way they want to at the moment. There are no Pretty rules. Shot. Some people are winning. Some people are losing. Everyone is just riffing no doubt. at the moment. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the football. Stay safe and well. And we'll be back on Monday. Take care.